This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now. As you I want to invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah this morning. Uh, we are in the midst of a series on Isaiah, and we have come to chapter 42 this morning, and this is a very special chapter because it's the first of four servant songs in Isaiah where the person of Christ is just placarded before our eyes. What we are going to see in today and in these chapters in Isaiah to, to follow we see just a beautiful picture of the person of Christ. He is the servant, the suffering servant who laid down his life for us. And so what we're going to see today and in these weeks to follow is, is we're going to see beautiful pictures of Jesus. And we're going to see how these prophecies in Isaiah are fulfilled in the Gospels, in the person of Christ. So today we're looking at the first of these four servant songs in Isaiah, Isaiah 42, and let's begin with verse 1, captivated by Christ. God says, this is my servant. He's talking about Jesus. This is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed and he will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. He will not grow weak or be discouraged until he has established justice on earth the coast and islands will wait for his instruction. This is what God, the Lord says, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I am the Lord. I have called you for a righteous purpose and I will hold you by your hand. I will watch over you and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations in order to open blind eyes to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. The past events have indeed happened. Now I declare new events. I announce them to you before they occur. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea with all that fills it, you coasts and islands with your inhabitants, let the desert and its city shout. The settlements where Kedar dwells cry aloud. Let the inhabitants of Selah sing for joy. Let them cry out from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coast and islands. The Lord advances like a warrior. He stirs up his zeal like a soldier. He shouts, he roars aloud, he prevails over his enemies. And then verse 16. I will lead the blind by a way they did not know. 
I will guide them on paths they have not known. I will turn darkness to light in front of them and rough places into level ground. This is what I will do for them, and I will not abandon them. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this portion of your word, where your son is just so vividly seen, we pray that we would be captivated by Christ. Lord, we we pray for anyone who is here, anyone who's watching, who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior and Lord and King. We, We pray that today you would so do a work of grace in their heart that the eyes of their heart would be open to see who Jesus is and his love and mercy for them, that they would see his saving work and place their trust in him and rest in him and all of his promises. We pray for those of us who, who know Christ already, that you would use this time to draw us nearer to Jesus and that we would be a people who are truly turned from idols and that we are captivated by our Savior. And and being captivated by him and gazing upon him, that you would, by the power of your spirit, transform us more and more to be like him. And so, Lord, these are precious, wonderful times as we get to, to dig into your word together And we pray that whether we're here in this room or we are watching, that you will use these next few minutes to do beautiful work in lives by the power of your spirit and then use us to go forth on mission for you in this world that you would work through us in the lives of other people. And we pray it in the name of Jesus, amen. On January 22nd, 2008, The 28-year-old actor Heath Ledger was found dead in his Manhattan apartment. A cocktail of of prescription drugs in his system. Only about six months before, Heath Ledger had had finished his work on The Dark Knight, one of the, the Batman movies in which he had played the role of the Joker. And if you have seen The Dark Knight, you know that Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker is just absolutely captivating. Unfortunately, it, it may have contributed to his, his death because when he played a character, he always said he wanted to get deeply into the skin of whoever he was playing. And preparing for that role, Heath Ledger spent a month alone in a hotel room trying to get inside the skin of this evil character. Probably not a good thing if you're already dealing with problems in your, your life. You know, Nietzsche said that, that when you look into an abyss, the abyss looks into you. It is dangerous to be captivated by things that can harm us. Things like the love of money. Things like pornography drugs and alcohol, power, social media, cable news. You know, if you're spending hours of your day scrolling through social media, that's a problem for your discipleship. 
If you're spending hours every night watching cable news, I don't care what channel it is, that's a problem for your discipleship. We have seen most recently in our country, people become so captivated by a politician and and a political movement, a political cause, and crazy conspiracy theories that they basically lose their minds. Because this is what idolatry does. It destroys you. You become like what you worship. And there is only one way to avoid being captivated by the idols of this world. And that is to be captivated by Christ. 2 Corinthians 3 18 says, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. In other words, as we gaze upon Christ, as we turn from the idols of this world and we are captivated by Christ, the more that we gaze on Christ, the more that we become like Christ, the more that we are transformed by the Holy Spirit into the image of of Christ. And we have come to a section in Isaiah where today and in the weeks that follow, the chapters that follow, the the person of Christ is just going to be so vivid before our eyes in these servant songs. So what do we see in this first servant song about Jesus, about the suffering servant who laid down his life on our behalf? What do we see here about Jesus, about the servant And how does that apply to us? First of all, we see the servant's anointing. The servant's anointing. Let's look at verse one. God says, this is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. So what do we see here in verse one? We are introduced to this figure. The servant. This is Jesus. This is the the suffering servant that we're going to to see in these in chapter 42 and, and the chapters that follow. And so we're introduced to him here. God says, This is my servant. And then what does he say about him? I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. And then he says, I have put my spirit. On him. Now, what do we see at the baptism of Jesus when we get to the Gospels? Let's look at Matthew 3 and verses 16 and 17. It says, When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So what do we see here? First of all, it's a beautiful picture of the Trinity, right? Jesus, the Son, is being baptized. The Spirit descends Upon him, and a voice comes from heaven, the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son, 
in whom I am well pleased. Now think about this, the scene at the baptism of Jesus in conjunction with Isaiah 42.1. Isaiah 42.1, God says, this is my servant. At the baptism, he says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What does he say in Isaiah 42.1? I delight in him. So what we see here is the father speaking his, his, his approval and his delight over his son. And then what else do we see? We see the spirit anointing him. In Isaiah 42, 1, God says, I have put my spirit on him. What happens at Jesus' baptism? The spirit descends as a dove upon him. What happens right after that? As Jesus goes after the temptation and he begins his public ministry, what does Jesus do? Goes to his hometown of Nazareth, goes into the synagogue at Nazareth, and where does he turn to in the Bible? Book of Isaiah. In Isaiah 61, and what do we see there? Luke 4, 17 and 18 tells us about it. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. And so Jesus inaugurating his public ministry, goes into the synagogue at Nazareth, and he goes to Isaiah 61, where it says what? The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And so what we see here is the servant's anointing. And we go back to to, to verse 1 of Isaiah 42. God says, this is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. A couple of applications for us. We see here the father speaking his delight over the son. What does he say at the baptism? This is my beloved son. I delight in him. What we need to understand as believers is that as those who have been united to the son, as those who are united to Christ, so beautifully pictured in baptism, which we saw earlier, As people who are united to Christ, God speaks his delight over you as one of his sons and daughters. Because you are in Christ, you are united to him and you have become a son or daughter of the king. And so the father loves you and accepts you and delights over you because you are united to Christ. Because Christ's perfect righteousness 
has been credited to your account. You are united to the son, and you've become a son or daughter, and so the father delights in you as well. He loves you and accepts you as he loves and accepts Jesus because you are united to Jesus. We also need to see here that we should seek the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus was uniquely anointed with the Spirit as the Son of God, but as followers of Jesus, we should seek fresh fillings anointings of the Holy Spirit. If you are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. You couldn't have become a Christian without the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so if you're in Christ, the issue is not whether or not you have the Holy Spirit, but does the Spirit have you? (laughs) Are you filled with the Spirit? Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Spirit. And the tense there means to be continually filled with the Spirit. That means that there are many, many, many fillings with the Spirit throughout our Christian lives. And we should seek this. Fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit. What does the Spirit do? When the Spirit fills us, He sets us on fire for the things of God. He changes our want-tos so that we want more and more of God. We want more and more of the things of God. The Spirit makes us passionate for God's glory and fame. He makes us passionate for missions and evangelism because he makes us more passionate that that God's glory would be known, that Jesus would be more famous in our community and throughout the world. The Spirit gives us a hunger for the Scriptures. He gives us a hunger for the Bible. We want to read it and study it and learn it. The Spirit causes us to love Christ's church. He causes us to love the body of Christ. He causes us to love the people of God. We yearn to be with them, and we want to build up the body of Christ. The Spirit changes our character so that we bear more and more of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So listen, make it a regular part of your Christian life and your prayer life. Make it a regular prayer of yours to ask God for fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit. We just can't live the Christian life apart from fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit. And here's the good news. Jesus says, in Luke eleven thirteen, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So ask him. We see here the servant's anointing. Second, the servant's compassion. The servant's compassion. Let's look at verses two and three. 
he will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed and he will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. Now once again, we need to go to the gospels to see how these verses are fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 12. Matthew 12, this is not going to be on screen, so turn there in your copy of God's Word to the 12th chapter of Matthew. And let's pick it up about midway through verse 15. Matthew 12, and let's begin partway through verse 15. It says that large crowds followed him, and he healed them all. He warned them not to make him known, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And here, Matthew is going to quote from these opening verses of Isaiah 42. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not argue or shout and no one will hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed and he will not put out a smoldering wick until he has led justice to victory, the nations will put their hope in his name. So Matthew is saying here that these verses in Isaiah 42 are being fulfilled in the healing ministry of Jesus. Now what do we see here about the healing ministry? Of, of Christ. First of all, we see that it was very, very different from a lot of the faith healing ministries and televangelists that we see in our day. It, it says that Jesus was not out there, you know, shouting or crying aloud or being heard in the streets. In other words, it wasn't flashy. He wasn't like seeking to, to, to make a, a, a splash through his healing ministry. It wasn't about that. It was about tender compassion for hurting people. Verse three, he will not break a bruised reed and he will not put out a smoldering wick. You know, think about reeds. We have a lot of reeds that grow along the, the Nansman River. You know, they're, ju they're just there Maybe they get used by somebody building a duck blind or something, but typically there's not a lot of use. And think about a damaged reed. It's worthless. It's just kind of like something that just sort of disintegrates. It's gone. I mean, there's just like nothing to it. It's, it's, it's considered worthless. Jesus had a heart for people who were considered worthless by the world. The bruised, damaged reeds of this world. Think about smoldering wicks. In the ancient world, 
they would have been wicks for oil lamps. But what would happen when the oil got low is that the, the, the light, the, the wick would just begin to, to flicker. It was, it was about to go out. And so what do you do? Just snuff it out. But it said that Jesus, Jesus wouldn't do this to, to, to people who were smoldering wicks. Instead of snuffing them out, he would restore such people. Jesus was all about the bruised reeds of this world, physically bruised reeds, like lepers and paralytics and, and people with the shriveled hand, the, the, the context of that, of Matthew quoting from Isaiah 42 in Matthew 12 happens right after Jesus has restored the hand of this, this man whose hand was, was shriveled. Jesus was all about the morally bruised and damaged reeds of this world. Prostitutes, tax collectors, Jesus went about ministering to lonely and hurting and outcast people whose wicks were just about to go out. There's a great scene in the, the series on Netflix, The Crown, in which Princess Diana is touring the United States, and this is in the mid-80s when people still... Uh, a lot of people thought they could get AIDS from, uh, from touching, from physical contact, um, from touching people. And so in this particular scene, she's, she's touring um, a hospital in, uh, in, in a, a bad part of, of New York City. And, and, she's, and, it's, and it's, it's filled with people who are suffering with AIDS. And she walks into the, the hospital room of this little boy who has AIDS and she, she walks up and it became like kind of a, a worldwide thing because Diana uh, walked up and she just took this little boy in her arms and just embraced him at a time when a lot of people were afraid to even touch people who had AIDS. But she tenderly took him into her arm and embraced him. She had her problems. But that was the kind of thing that Jesus would have done and it resonated throughout the world because we know deep down that that's the right thing. We know that such compassion is the right thing but it is such a rare thing in our world. It should not be rare among the people of God. And we should be all about this kind of ministry you know, we, we highlighted one such ministry earlier in our service, the, the Kime Center. You know, it's one thing to say that we're opposed to abortion, which we obviously are, but it's one thing to just kind of, you know, uh, rant and rave in our opposition to abortion. It is quite another matter to come alongside women who are pregnant in difficult circumstances and tenderly love them and offer to help them to help them get ready to have a baby and care for a baby and share the love of Christ with them. 
It happens through CAPS, the Coalition Against Poverty in Suffolk, where people are not only fed and sheltered in ministries like the Peninsula Rescue Mission as well, not only fed and sheltered, but where the love of Christ is extended and where people are helped to get free from addictions and where people are given training so that they can go and get jobs. It happens through ministries like Southeastern Correctional Ministry, where people in prison are are given the only thing that can possibly liberate them from the bars that, that bind their hearts. That's the gospel. It happens through your missionaries, through your IMB missionaries. A huge part of the strategy of, with IMB happens through sin relief. It's about mercy ministry. It's coming alongside people who are in pretty desperate conditions coming alongside them with, 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 with tangible help, you know, whether that's food or shelter or disaster relief or whatever, coming alongside them with, 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 with tangible acts of mercy and practical help, and God uses that compassion to open their hearts wide for the message of Christ. And we see that kind of ministry in Haiti all the time. Our teams that go to Haiti where uh, uh, medical, through medical clinics and, and, and orphanages and helping to grow crops to feed people and on and on. It's compassion and mercy that God uses to open hearts to the gospel. We see that beautifully in Bangkok as well with our ministry to, to refugees as food and supplies are taken to people and, and, and God uses that to open the door wide to conversations about Jesus with Muslim people. We see it in Romania in ministry to the Roma, an outcast people group. But you know, it starts in our everyday lives as we move toward the people around us with compassion, as we move toward the lonely and the hurting, and there are people all around you every day who are in those categories. As we move toward people with compassion, and why do we do that? Because we have a savior who moved toward us in compassion who came from heaven to earth to save us in compassion, who saved us when we were still in rebellion against him. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to clean up our act or get our lives together. No, he came after us when we were still in rebellion, in sheer mercy and compassion. We are to move toward others in compassion because the servant moved toward us in compassion. And so we see here the servant's compassion. Third, we see the servant's outreach. Verse four, it says, he will not grow weak or be discouraged until he has established justice on earth. The coast and islands wait for his instruction. Once again, we see God's heart for the world here. God's heart for the world's unreached peoples. The unreached people groups of the coast and islands wait for his instruction, wait for the good news of the gospel to be shared. One thinks about the Apostle Paul's dream, the vision that he had at night in Acts 16, 
When Paul is, Paul is asleep and he dreams, he has this vision that God gives to him of this man from Macedonia calling out to him, come over to Macedonia and help us. In other words, come over and share the good news of the gospel with us. That was Paul's call to leave where he was and go across the sea and go to yet another coast and share the good news of the gospel. That was when the gospel first came to Europe. God's heart is that people from every tribe and tongue would joyously praise him. And he uses churches like ours and Christians like you to make that happen. So what can we do? We can pray. Our church provides detailed prayer sheets of missionaries that are, we're closely linked to as a church. You can grab one any Sunday, use it. Use it in your prayer life. You can go to the app store and download IMB Pray. And you will not only get a free app there that will help you pray for unreached people groups, it'll send you a notification every morning. It does me every morning at 7 o'clock. Just a reminder to pray for an unreached people group or for people who are trying to, to reach people. The Joshua Project is another wonderful um, ministry in that regard. So we can pray, we can give, not only to special offerings like the Lottie Moon offering, but, but through our church budget, People are helped not only locally, but a big percentage of that too goes to the International Mission Board, goes to our special missionary who is in and out of North Africa all the time. Most of you know him and love him and to other missionaries. And we can go. Some of us can go. We're in a position to go. We can go short term. And we should be open to going long term. In fact, the question that we ought to be asking is, is not am I called to go? The question we really ought to ask in light of the needs in the world is, am I called to stay? Now look at verse 11. The Bible says here, let the desert and its cities shout the settlements where Kedar dwells cry aloud. I'll tell you a cool story. Early Wednesday morning, I was working on this passage. I think this came through at 523 in the morning. <laughs> and it was a message from one of our workers, one of your workers that you support who's, who's ministering on the Arabian Peninsula. And it was, it, was, it was a message just kind of telling me, some, uh, you know, they were going to be here and, uh, at, at a point in time. Let's get together and that kind of thing. And I was able to message him back and say, man, you're not going to believe this. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at Isaiah 42, 11 right now. Let the desert and its cities shout. You know what that is? That is... That is these desert-dwelling peoples shouting for joy because they have come to know Jesus. The settlements where Kedar dwells. Kedar is like Arabia, the Arabian Peninsula, right where he is. I was able to say, hey, listen, let me encourage you with something. Right now, I'm looking at this verse. 
God has you and your family there because his purpose is for these desert peoples to shout with joy, to joyously praise our king. And he uses churches like ours and Christians like you to send workers there and keep them there. Check out verses six and seven. I am the Lord. I have called you for a righteous purpose and I will hold you by your hand. I will watch over you and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations in order to open blind eyes to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. I love what Ray Ortland says about this. God proves that he is God as Jesus Christ delivers us from the darkness of our idolatries, opens our eyes to his glory, and brings us out of our self-created dungeons. Praise God, he does. <laughs> and after he brings us out of our self-created dungeons, what does he do? After he's opened the eyes of our hearts to see who Jesus is, what does he do? He leads us out on mission to be used by him to share the gospel so that the eyes of other people are opened and other people are liberated from those dungeons and find freedom in Christ. And as we engage with the servant on mission, God will never let go of us. Verse 16 says, I will lead the blind by a way they did not know. I will guide them on paths they have not known. I will turn darkness to light in front of them and rough places into level ground. This is what I will do for them and I will not abandon you. What incredible things God could do through your life in 2021 as you walk with him. He'll guide you down paths that you've never been down before. And what's more, he will light every step of your way as you walk down those new paths led by the Spirit. And he will never let go of you. He will never leave you or forsake you as you walk with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for... The picture of Jesus that we see here in Isaiah 42, we pray that our gaze would be upon Christ, that we would turn from the idols of this world, and that we would be captivated by Christ, that we would know him, that we would find our salvation in him. Father, I pray for anyone who's here, anyone who's watching, um, that does not know Christ as Savior and King. Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you would open their eyes to see the love of Christ for them and that they would turn and trust in him. Father, we pray that you would draw us nearer to Christ, Lord, that more and more of our gaze would be upon Jesus, that we might be conformed more and more to his image. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, 
Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia.